Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. The Indonesian parliament passed a new criminal code on December 6, containing provisions that seriously violate international human rights laws and standards. Articles in the new code violate the rights of women, religious minorities and lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender people and undermine rights to freedom of speech and association. Joining me on today's program to discuss the details and implications of the new criminal code is Diane Trisnanti. She's from the Indonesian Federation of the United Trade Unions and also Radio Marsina, which is a workers' solidarity radio station in Indonesia. My name is Tian Tati Tersanti. I'm the chairperson of Indonesian Human Union Federation and also the coordinator of Marsina FM. Uh, it's a community media focused on women rights, women workers' rights. Indonesia has overhauled its criminal code for the first time in 75 years. What's this about? Why have they done that? Uh, the government uh, said that uh, it's to decolonialize the criminal law before because uh, it's, uh, it's very colonial, colonialism. Very colonialism. Uh, that's what they said. But actually, the content of the revised uh, criminal law uh, is uh, very dangerous for the people, uh, for the movement, uh, especially for women, uh, workers, and all people. So that uh, we campaign that everyone uh, can be criminalized uh, with this law. Yeah, it's very wide-reaching. We'll go into some of the detail in a minute. But most of the discussions that took place in relation to changes to the law actually happened in secret, even though there was a lot of opposition to it. And Joko Widodo, when he was becoming president of the country, campaigned supposedly on the basis of openness and transparency and basically saying that he wasn't a military dictator like his opponent was. Fill us in on how we got to this place where there is such repression and secrecy, the opposite of what Joko Widodo campaigned on. Yes, uh, of course, uh, in his reign, uh, in his period, Jokowi as president, uh, it's very far away uh, from his promise uh, in this campaign uh, when he... Uh, was selected as president uh, from first period and also second period. Uh, we can we can remember how uh, he regulate how he released the 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 policy. Uh, for example, uh, the policy for wages, uh, which which is uh, very uh, poor for workers like the government regulation of number 78 uh, in 2015, also omnibus law, and the last uh, is the criminal law. All of them are not transparent. All of them are, uh, all of them were, were made by the business 
the businessman. So Joko Widodo and also the companies and the businessmen uh, hand in hand together uh, to release or publish the law uh, which which are uh, very dangerous for the people. Uh, it, uh, from, it's very disadvantage for the poor and also for women and minorities uh, such as LGBT uh, and also another minority group uh, like uh, like domestic workers and uh, informal workers, peasants, uh, uh, peasants, uh, and many and other groups, minorities groups. Uh, so uh, we are not involved. We were not. We were not involved uh, in the process of the legalization of the law. Not only criminal law, but also another policy. Well, let's look at some of the um, specific aspects of the, the new criminal law. One of the aspects that has of the changes that has gotten a lot of attention is the criminalisation of sex outside of marriage, which attracts a penalty of one year in jail. Who is this law designed to punish? And what is this law supposedly addressing in Indonesian society? What happened to cause them to penalise this? Uh, yes, uh, I see this, uh, this chapter. It's a 172 chapter that regulates uh, the, the sex out of marriage. Uh, I think it affects uh, women in specific uh, because uh, women's bodies uh, become the target uh, to uh, regulate and to punish uh, as the source of immorality in the society. Uh, in the past, uh, they the government uh, legalized the law, pornography law. So this uh, criminal law, uh, this chapter, uh, strengthen uh, the pornography law. So uh, it's like a, a targeted women's study as the source of the scene, uh, immorality, and it limits um, the expression of women's, uh, women's study. And for, specifically for minorities group like LGBT, uh, we we know that uh, LGBT as a minority group uh, cannot express their gender expression, their social orientation, uh, sexual orientation, and uh, sometimes uh, they decide to uh, live together because they cannot get married. And this law uh, affects uh, the LGBT uh, more and criminalizes them. So it's very, uh, it's also very uh, dangerous for vulnerable groups, uh, specifically for LGBT, and also the poor. Uh, because uh, a lot of the poor in Indonesia, they didn't have uh, any uh, card, identity, identity card, national identity card, uh, because they cannot access the identity card. And uh, they cannot get married uh, because uh, they are very poor. Uh, they cannot access the the marriage 
certificate and uh, that's why uh, until now uh, the policy or the event of like a massal or public uh, marriage for for public uh, a lot of old people old couples uh, came uh, to register uh, their marriage because they live together without marriage certificate not because they uh, didn't want to but they cannot access LGBT too they want to get married but they cannot access because the country or the state uh, do not permit them or do not recognize them as couples well that you raised some issues i didn't even think about in relation to the criminalization of sex outside of marriage i mean we didn't even talk about sex workers um but you know that was criminalized before anyway um just in terms of the lgbtiq community i mean even though there are the moralistic and religious um disagreements with lgbtiq my understanding is that indonesia has in fact um had some cultural acceptance of the transgender communities is this true or is that a misperception on my on my part oh yes of course we have a history of cultural acceptance of transgender people uh for example uh, in some uh, region like Bali and Ponorogo in Java and uh, some parts in Indonesia but uh, as dancers or as traditional uh, traditional events, but when transgender uh, come up or speak up about their identity, like they they want to uh, they demand uh, for the recognition of their identity, uh, the society and also the state uh, cannot accept it. It's like a big denying their existence and. Uh, they are afraid of, such a afraid of the existence of LGBT. So it's like a homophobic uh, culture in Indonesia. Uh, I think it also exists uh, uh, in the past, uh, including in the order era and also uh, now, uh, in after the order, the reformacy, reformation uh, era. Uh, and um, the government uh, used uh, the homophobic uh, culture in, in Indonesia uh, to uh, to make it like a campaign uh, to uh, like uh, create the enemy, the common enemy in the society, uh, LGBT communism. So it's like they create the fear, uh, the fear uh, in the society that uh, the common enemy is LGBT communism. And also anarcho sometimes uh, in Indonesia uh, to like uh, uh, to like uh, create uh, the opinion in the society that the problem is uh, LGBT communism, not the state itself or not the government itself uh, who create the poverty uh, and also the oppression in Indonesia. And it, it always happens uh, near the election. Oh, there's, you're in an election period now? Yes, uh, in 2024, right? Uh, there, is, uh, elect, there will be election. Political situation before the election, the government 
uh, will like the spread the issue of fear of LGBT communism and also uh, anarchism uh, to create the common enemy among society. So it's like a divide uh, the society uh, to create the horizontal conflict in the society. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's show, I'm speaking with Diane Trisnanti from the Indonesian Federation of United Trade Unions and Radio Marcina about Indonesia's new repressive criminal code. Well, a less spoken about change that the law brings about is something you just mentioned, which is the recriminalisation of communists. To some extent, no surprises, but also a very alarming development. What can you say about this? Yes, of course, it's a very alarming development because after uh, reformation or after the falling of Suharto, we have a democracy space uh, to discuss about death capital, uh, Marxism in university and also in public discussion and start to started to... Uh, screening the movie about uh, the related topic is specifically uh, especially uh, we have like a, a court international court in Netherlands uh, for about the murder of 1965 uh, it's uh, the progressive movement I think after the after Suharto regime fall and uh, this is like in the context, uh, the context time uh, for the government to uh, attack uh, the de- the democracy, uh, democracy group, democratic group uh, uh, by using uh, nara- narrative, yeah, the old narrative uh, for against communism. So they use. Uh, the old narrative to attack democratic groups uh, and targeted the democratic group uh, not to speak up and then they will like uh, accuse uh, someone or some group as communist then can arrest them and or criminalize uh, criminalize them. Well, they've also restricted abortions. The consequences are obvious, but please tell us especially how this is impacting on women and poor women? Uh, abortion still becomes debate uh, in Indonesia, but we have law, uh, like health uh, law, health law uh, that permit uh, women to have abortion uh, in certain conditions, uh, such as the victims of uh, rape or uh, the health condition that uh, possible that not possible for women to uh, birth uh, the baby to deliver the baby. Uh, but in fact, uh, women will be criminalized, and then this law restricted uh, this law restricted the uh, the abortion uh, practice uh, in reality. So it's like a legalized. Uh, the the criminalization of women who have uh, abortion uh, in Indonesia, and it's it's really like uh, uh, it's really it's very not good 
for us yeah, as women because the abortion uh, is very complex in Indonesia. If there are uh, economical background, there are uh, complex background why women uh, decide to have abortion. For example, sex workers who decide to abortion because uh, the the men uh, did not want to have condom. Uh, when they come, when they come to prostitute. So I had uh, experience that uh, some women, uh, some uh, sex workers come to me and uh, asking for help for abortion, for safe abortion. So uh, this law will not stop the illegal abortion uh, practice uh, in reality. But uh, it will uh, make uh, it will criminalize and abortion criminalize women who have abortion. So the women will be uh, women women healthy and also women uh, psychology uh, will it will be very vulnerable uh, in this situation. And the government uh, do not care uh, about this. No, of course not. And then we'll just look at one more aspect of the law. Insulting the president is also now illegal. Do you think this will be used to punish journalists and activists? Yes, of course. Uh, because uh, we we have uh, we we when we have democracy. Uh, when we express our opinion uh, in social media, uh, we criticize uh, Joko Widodo as president. And it's uh, our right as the civil society. Uh, when, when we, when we uh, criticize, and the government uh, will uh, be easily, will be very easy to punish us. Uh, using this criminal law and it uh, limit the freedom, the freedom expression uh, to criticize the government. And um, what about the journalists? I think it's also uh, very dangerous for the journalists because uh, the journalists will be very, very, uh, will be very uh, careful in uh, in report. Uh, the news and also write the news uh, about uh, government and it's like a deny the the dirty the dirty of uh, journalism uh, that has to provide uh, the news uh, which is uh, good for the democracy and become the pillar of democracy. So the country itself uh, deny uh, deny itself as the democratic country. So Indonesia is not democratic country, but it's uh, like a, a power um, it's a power country, abuse of power. Yes, absolutely. And also about hope, about hope. Uh, the government uh, in the criminal law, uh, it's also stated that uh, will that the government will punish 
uh, everyone who spread hope, but not the the political elite or or the government itself who spread also hope. For example, uh, in pandemic situation, uh, a lot of uh, some of the ministry of Jokowi Jokowi uh, spread the hope about uh, pandemic, about the pandemic, about the medicine of medicine of COVID. Uh, for example, that a specific uh, wood can cure the pandemic, and some ministry that uh, that said COVID is not uh, is not dangerous, and many things. Uh, government itself is also the one who spread the hope, but it will not punish the the government. It will punish only uh, the people, the citizens. Do these changes signify a rapid right-wing pivot for Indonesia or is this something that has been slowly changing or, or are we just wrong? Has Indonesia always been this repressive? Yes, yes. Uh, for example, in 2019, some people died uh, because of the resistance of criminal law efficient in 2019. In Jakarta, Bandung, in Jakarta, in Jakarta, in Jakarta, uh, three people die. In Bandung, uh, also uh, five or two. Uh, I will send you the the data about how many people died in demonstration in 2019. It's it it was very racist. Uh, in 2015, when uh, the workers have had demonstration uh, to refuse the law of wage, uh, 26. Uh, workers' activities was also arrested and criminalized uh, by the government. It, it was repressive, but also at the same time, uh, it moderate, uh, it, in, it killed uh, the movement. So it's like the movement uh, was dropped uh, because of the repression. And we realize about it uh, because our movement uh, less organized. It's very spontaneous. It's big mobilization in 2019 and spontaneous. And so we try now to be more organized. Well, speaking of being organized, are activists organizing and campaigning against these laws? And what does the resistance look like, given you described the um, repression and consequences and murder of activists for opposing the um, industrial relations, the labor laws? What, what, uh, I mean, what is happening in resisting this new criminal code? Since uh, 6th of December, uh, 2022, uh, we had demonstration in front of the Indonesian representative house uh, until now. Uh, maybe it will be continued until uh, 10th of December. Uh, it's Human Rights uh, Day. Uh, maybe also we will keep continue uh, our consolidation uh, because we realize uh, that now it's time uh, for us to consolidate consolidation and strengthen of a movement. Uh, in this in, in this not good situation. Uh, because like uh, uh, there are a lot of union testing, uh, limited democracy and now we have a uh, criminal law. Uh, but we have no choice. 
Well, Dion, thank you so, so much for your time on the program today. Was there anything you wanted to add? We are not in good situation uh, in, in global level, especially in uh, Asia, in Asia countries. We know, uh, we know that uh, Myanmar uh, now uh, ruled by military regime. And also in Philippines, uh, the family of Dr. Marcos de Dr. come back. And in Sri Lanka, uh, the military uh, also uh, have a cope. Uh, I think because of this situation, we need a global solidarity and global movement. Uh, because we have the same problem in the time of crisis. So, yeah, it's time now for us to have uh, a consolidation in international level. Uh, so this is the war. We know, we, we know that uh, Russia and Ukraine also in war now, and uh, it's just about the crisis. And in Asia, uh, we have a, a bad condition in democracy. Uh, so. We cannot delay uh, the united in global level. So let's just uh, keep the, solid, the international solidarity. That was Dian Trisnanti from the Indonesian Federation of United Trade Unions and Radio Marcina speaking about Indonesia's new repressive criminal code. And that's all we've got time for on today's program. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kunjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.